and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. We continue with interviews with cast members from Roger Corman's unreleased Fantastic Four movie. This week it's Michael Bailey Smith, who portrays Ben Grimm. He talks about getting the role, just the legacy of the movie. I mean, this movie, like I said before, wasn't released, so it's kind of found a new life with bootleg copies and comic book conventions and eventually getting onto YouTube. So it's probably had more of an impact that it wasn't released than it, if it was released. But Michael's done so much more in his career. He played Super Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 5. He was on Charms. He played multiple characters. The Source, Balthazar, Shax, to name a few. He's done a lot of other roles. We touch upon that. Great background. Really interesting guy. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael. So, Michael, uh, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Noel. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So I know, um, like, everyone has a different, like, story for the past two years with COVID and stuff like that, getting out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, not getting, like, too, like, you know, personal. Like, how has the last two years been, you know, for you dealing with it? Uh, yeah, I got fat. <laughs> we all did. I got fat. Yeah, I got fat and uh, a lot of shape. I, you know, people didn't say I was fat, but I was kind of like I didn't like what I look so uh since January I've lost uh, 55 pounds so oh, great. Uh, it's good yeah so I feel so much better that's pretty good yeah I mean as towards the the pandemic you know and I lost some friends you know uh you know some family friends we had great people you know just but they were uh you know physically compromised you know uh either overweight or like way overweight or you know, I had some other type of com- comorbidity type of, uh, you know, issues. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just, you know, and, and, uh, during that time, my, my soon, my, I'm going to go through a divorce right now. My soon to be ex-wife, her mother passed away during this time and, uh, she had dementia and then, but she had, then she got COVID in the, in the uh-huh. memory care place. And so all that together kind of exacerbated the situation and she passed away. So, yeah. Yeah. I know it's, horrible uh horrible two years but hopefully we're uh, finally out of it now it's funny i was in uh, china uh on like a month before they locked down the country and so i was in china you talk about trying to get back to the country (laughs) you know through immigration was like you know give me then i went i was in china then i had to go i was home for a week and i left for india uh, for two weeks and i got back from that and yeah it was you know, they gave me the nth degree, you know, through customs, you know, why you that why'd you go and all these other things. So but yeah. Yeah. Crazy. And China with you know that zero COVID policy, there's like one case, they locked down the whole country. Oh, I know. It's crazy. Listen, I have lots of friends in China, uh right, uh good great people. And uh they 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 all they too know that half those numbers are most of that stuff is BS. Right. You know, so it's the government for you. Yeah, that's true. No, no matter what country you are, it's always in the government, right? <laughs> <laughs> One way or the other. Yes, sir. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I've had a few members of the Fantastic Forecast on um, you know, Roger Corman's movie that never saw the light of day, unfortunately. And uh, flat out, do you think we'd still be talking about this movie had it been released? No. I don't think so. <laughs> so I think, it, you know, for as much as everybody you know, like, oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sad or it's a, you know, crime against humanity, you know, <laughs> whatever, you know, uh, I think it listen, it's a great movie. We, we, we did it our best, you know, and uh, there was, you know, Alex and, and, and Joseph and, you know, and, and everybody, uh, Rebecca and everybody were just great actors, you know, everybody was so good. And, but I just think the, the budget didn't really lend itself to turn out to be, you know, cause when you make a film and, you know, and now I, I do a tremendous amount of writing and, you know, I've kind of migrated from the acting space and the writing space, you know, and you know, this already, it's a collaborative effort, right? Every, everybody wants to make a great film, no matter how low budget is, how yeah. crappy the script is, whatever it is, everyone wants to make a great film. You just do. No one says, let's make a bad film. Yes, that's what we want to do. We want to get crappy. It doesn't happen like that, right? So um, it's a collaborative effort. And so as actors, we gave it, we gave it our best shot. You know, we, we did the best we could do, you know, and I thought we all did a great job. 
uh, script, everything. But I think, you know, probably the budget, you know, was probably one of those things because it was, I think, during the time, the same time as uh, Jurassic Park. I think about the same time they both released about the same time. Well, Jurassic Park was released, but came out, could have went out at the same time. And, you know, there's a big budget, you know, and there's the, you know, the less right. than a million dollar budget, you know, when it comes to visual effects, which Fantastic Four is visual effects heavy, you know, it's going to, that part's going to hurt the film. So um, I think if there was, you know, we would have maybe more better uh, sets, you know, uh, the costumes are pretty good, but, you know, they, they too probably could have been a little bit better. Um, but that, that's what shows you what the budget could do. But it, again, it's collaborative. I thought everybody who had anything to do with the film uh, gave it, gave it their all. And, uh, um, you know, I don't know. It's a, uh, I think it's a, uh, having it shelved is a blessing in disguise because now it's become this cult you know, people are talking about it. There's a documentary about it. There's people, when you see articles, like recently there's an article about uh, the new Fantastic Four and, and the new actor who's going to be playing uh, Reed Richards. And right. they were doing some comparisons of the old and the new. And I'm like, you would have never been talking about this if, this, if it just came out and it went away. Because then it went out, it'd been like, yeah, it's kind of cool. And then it, it would disappear like Captain America did or whatever, right? Back in the day. Right. So, yeah. You know. What I liked and like also the, like the Punisher movie, the Dolph Lundgren, you know, it was released yeah, yeah. Came out and I, I love that movie. It's, you know, it's great too. But what I enjoyed about your movie more so than the like other Fantastic Four movies came out was the heart, you know, and like mm-hmm. the other, I don't think the other three movies had that probably because they relied too heavily on special effects and whatnot, where you guys, you know, it was a close knit group, the, you know, the, the cast, you guys, from when I was talking to Rebecca Saab, you played Sue Storm, you guys, stood together you always were together because it was like nothing else to do and you got along great and it showed on on screen how you know close-knit the group was and that's pretty much like the whole basis of the fantastic four is the family aspect i agree no i agree completely uh and for me it was one of i i was very new to hollywood right so i just you know i just came from michigan i, I spent some time with the, i was in camp with the dallas cowboys and then hurt my knee and blew my knee out and I went to finish my degree and found myself in Los Angeles. I did, I got lucky and did a film called Nightmare on Elm Street part five, bigger right. version of Freddy Krueger called Super Freddy. Yeah. That was my first role. I got my first five lines uh, and I got my SAG card. And then I did uh, Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas right. and Kathleen Kenmont, uh, that TV show with Jesse, the body Ventura. We played the, the Butler brothers. <laughs> and then um and then i did a film for him no i did the film i did a film for lorenzo lamas called ci codename alexa with him Kath, kathleen camont and oj simpson before he killed his wife right. and uh that was i was just supposed to do a fight scene in that film and but they said it was one of those uh pm entertainment i don't know if you remember pm entertainment but they're they're they did like 80 films a year or 60 films okay. a year. That's all went to VHS, right? Right. Back in the VHS. And uh, everything always had a blue tint to it. All their lighting was, you know, it was at, yeah. shot at night. They had a blue blue tint. That was their that was their thing. Great, great guys. You know, those two guys that ran the production company. Mm-hmm. And that went from just a fight scene to they wrote me and I was a fourth lead in the film. And it was great. And then, and then I did Renegade. In the middle of that is when I auditioned for Fantastic Four. And so uh, end up getting that. So I was very new to the whole acting business and what to do. You know, where Alex and Rebecca and, and Joseph and everyone had been seasoned. You know, uh, you know, Alex was in. Um, you know, pretty uh, pretty woman and you know Rebecca's. You know, you know every everything. Everybody was, and I'm like the new kid on the block, right? right. So, it's a learning experience. Yeah. Just getting off track for a quick second, being a football yeah. guy, like working with OJ, what was that like? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I played, you know, college football and, you know, and then I ended up in camp until I hurt my knee uh, in 85 with the Cowboys. And then I went back, finished my degree and I, I got lost for a while and things right. like that. But I got to, you know, got to meet him. Uh, he seemed pretty nice. Uh, got a big head. His head was huge. It's like this, like he was huge. Right. I did a, um, I did like one day. I've never done an extra role before. Background. Did one time been act background. I said I'll never do that again. Uh, and it was on first and ten, and it was oh, with yeah. OJ Simpson. Right. So and everybody on that set called him Buckethead. 
because he had a big head. So that's what they called him. It was pretty funny. Yeah. I used to love that show. That was like one of HBO's first, first like, you know, original yeah, yeah. shows. That, that, that was great. I think it's kind of yeah, kind of raunchy and kind yeah, of exactly. Like it's kind of, that's how football is, you know, it's kind of like yeah. a, they're like a rocker room. Right. So, okay. Back to fantastic four. So you, you got the role as Ben Grimm. Did you think that you were going to play the thing as well? Or is oh, that yeah. surprise that you didn't oh, play him? Oh yeah. I was like, I was like, all excited. And then they said, well, you're not going to be doing that. Uh, we've already, because we had to get the suit going way early, you know, like a three or four months in advance, we, we, we hired a stunt guy. Uh, I said, okay. And then uh, I said, can I still be in it? He said, well, he's not the same size as you. And, and so, uh, you know, I met him. His name's Carl Trifoglio. Right. Trifoglio. I always say Trifoglio, but Trifoglio. <laughs> uh, great guy. He and I have become, you know, uh, close, tight friends ever since. You know, I, during, this, during the filming, I, I was with him the whole time offset you know and helping him with this is what we should do he's a seasoned actor as well as a stunt guy he's been in you know far and away with tom cruise and he's done you know uh casino and just all these different you know historic films he's he's hollywood royalty when it comes to what he's done and especially in the stunt world he's well respected was a i guess he's president of the stuntman's association and things like that so i got to work with him great very giving guy and uh and uh, yeah, we've, uh, but I, you know, just as an actor and being physical, my whole life being in the military, you know, I was an 82nd Airborne as a paratrooper and, and then playing football, things like that. Their history, I guess, the production uh, crew, or the production was, their history with actors is that, yeah, I want to be in the suit, but then that they end up passing out or doing right. whatever, right? Because they can't handle the heat or the weight of the suit or whatever. But I'm, dude, I've been through some, some stuff, right? And so- yeah. Uh, I would have jumped and loved to have been in that suit, but I wasn't. But I got to play the human form, and then I did the voice for the thing. So they just tweaked my voice, you know, after. But you know, if you notice in the film at the end, there's a mistake. And I pointed this out to Oli, the director. Huh. Uh, so there's a part where throughout the film, when I turn into the thing, you know, and I do the voice for the thing, it's my voice, but just tweaks, right? And, right. However, at the end, when a wedding, right? Yeah, wedding. They come out. They don't tweak my voice. So right. I gotta say, come on, guys. You know, yeah. you know, make some room. Whatever. That's my voice. <laughs> you know. So anyway, yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. He goes, oh, I can't believe, I can't believe, I forgot that. So, right. I told Holly that. Yeah. The, the funny part at the end with the wedding is when Alex, you know, Mr. Fantastic, six hand out of the that that, that cracks me up. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's funny, but you know, it just you know. It had, well, there's you know, a lot of there's a lot of stuff that's like yeah there's a part where <laughs> i think it's reed, uh, reed richards uh and johnny storm they they're stepping off camera and they're like you could still see their shoulder i'm like yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> yeah some of that's kind of like you could tell they're ducking underneath the camera <laughs> like right you know whatever some of that's like whatever but it's all good yeah it's you know it, i think it, it just makes the film that more you know enjoyable you I, know? but i do like I like the way it's shot. Like Oli did a great job. Like did a lot of tilt on the you know, angle. Very, very comic bookish, you know. Yeah. And uh, he, he's super talented. Uh, Oli is, and, and just very. Um, he was very passionate, you know, during the whole time. And again, it was, yeah. was just blessed, you know, just blessed. So yeah. it's good, good stuff. Yeah. When did like kind of you guys get an inkling that it wasn't going to get released? Yeah. So. Um, so uh, let me see. So let me back up a little bit. So okay. we were, um, it was it's called Shr the Shrine Auditorium. They had a comic con there. Uh, and I remember uh, they were going to play, they, they're, they're going to uh, do the, because um, me and Alex uh, were, and, and we were like, well, we need to kind of promote this film. So we went to Comic Con. They, they were going to show the trailer for the Fantastic Four as the first time the line to, to see the trailer to go into this like actually a big a big uh screen with all these chairs almost been like 100 200 chairs there um the line to, to get in to watch this was out the door down the street and around the corner it was huge oh, wow. i'm like and so the ball it was packed and they played it and it was a huge cheer, cheering it and the cast and we're all we're on the back and me and alex are standing next to each other and he looks at me and goes 
you know, I think we got something here, you know? And, and he goes, I said, so what do, what do you think you should do? And I said, and, and uh, he says, why well, we need to promote this thing. And so that's, that's what we did. And so I, we, he found a, like an up and coming publicist uh, and I ended up paying for all that. So it cost me, I think, 12 or $15,000 out of oh, my own wow. pocket, you know, over the a span of, you know, six or seven or eight months. Right. I think the Shrine Auditorium, the, that showing was in March, if I remember correctly. Remember, in March or April, I, I think. Remember, we just finished it in, you know, January. So, um, so, and I always, always told my acting coach, one of my acting coaches, his name is Jeremiah Comey, a great guy. He told me, he says, whenever you get your first break, you should try to put as much money back into it as towards promotion and things like that to kind of propel your career. And so I kind of took that to heart and I talked to Alex, you know, I'll pay for this. So um, I did. And then the, the guy was, you know, the publicist was pretty hungry and he got us to go around and we went to these different comic book festivals and, and, and all the stuff we started promoting it. Right. I remember one time I was on a plane and I had a VHS copy of the trailer. Well, back in the day, remember, there was no DVD yet it's right. in the 90s. And so the, the flight attendants would use VHS to play, you know, recordings. Yeah. I convinced them to plug in the Fantastic Four. And they put played that. I forgot what airline it was. They played it on to everybody. There was the cheers on the plane. So it was, it did, we did, we, we just promoted the hell out of it. Went to comic book festivals, comic book stores. We did everything. We went to children's uh, hospitals. Uh, we did a bunch of different stuff, which is great. Met Alex and the cast, and we could bring the cast as much as we could, you know, as their schedule allow. And then um, things are starting building. And then, you know, Roger Corman, you know, and and kudos to them and, and Concord Films, uh, they uh, got a stills, you know, from the, you know, they're black and white. They're all black and white. And I still have some somewhere. Uh, and we would go and sign those. And this is all for free. You know, nowadays I go around signing autographs because all the horror stuff I've done. Right. You know, and I have an appearance manager and they, and they, you know, yeah. we, we charge or they charge whatever. So, um, but yeah, we'd all this stuff for free. And it was the greatest thing to shake hands with little kids, you know, little boys and little girls and saying, that's my favorite thing. You know, now these men are, you know, people are grown men and women. Right. right? So back then, they were little, back in the nineties. And so, uh, it was great. It was just great to meet all these people and meet the kids and how excited they were. I think when we was in Comic Con and it was Comic Con's in I think it's in August. I think it's in August in San Diego. Yeah, we went to Comic Con and uh, and we were there promoting it. We were heavy into that, doing it, and we had it. We had a table. We had a whole situation, uh, and uh, the whole cast was there. But we heard Stan Lee was going to be there. Now, let's back up a little bit. Stan Lee came to the set. Right. And he came to the set and he was like, wow, you know, this is like a dream come true. He personally came up to me and said, Michael, you are what I envisioned when I envisioned Ben Grimm. Hmm. I'm like, wow, thank you, Stan. I appreciate right. that. He shook my hand and gave a hug, whatever, you know, the whole situation. He said, you look great. You know, you are, you are Ben Grimm. You're what I envisioned. I said, wow, thank you. Um, and he said nothing but great things about everyone and, and the whole and the cast and what was going on. And uh, I remember that, that was, he said that we were shooting that in downtown Los Angeles at the, the empire state building, you know, that quote for the fantastic four thing. So yeah, uh, that's where their headquarters is at. So there was some building at, uh, that we were filming at. So when we went to the comic con, we were uh, there and we said, Oh, Stan Lee's going to get up and speak, you know, at a panel. So he got, he was at a panel and someone asked him about the Fantastic Four. And he said, well, you know, I heard they get, did a really good job. You know, they tried really hard, but I don't really give it much. I really don't give it much of anything, much thought, or I don't think there's going to be anything that happened with it or something like that. And we're like, what? He just freaking took a knife and stabbed it in our back, you know, whatever. And that, I felt, you know, we felt betrayed. And then, then from then on, we, we felt we had a lot of momentum going and then just that kind of like hit us in a certain way. Like, wow, you know, even the, the creator doesn't think great about our film. And, uh, but we kept going and, and then 
that was the first inkling, I think, of things were going to go sideways. And then, uh, yeah, it was in December. I think it was December, beginning of December. Alex and the publicists had set up a, a premiere at the Mall of America in right. Minneapolis with, with Children's Miracle Network and Ronald McDonald House and all these radio and television, you know, affiliates and things like that tied in. It was a big premiere, things like that. And then I got the call from Oli, you know, Sison, so saying, hey, um, see, you know, I just got a cease and desist letter. You know, everything's got to stop. And that's that was it. You know, I'm still new to the game, right? So I was disappointed and things like that. But I just, I was just starting in my career. And so um, I was disappointed for sure. And I, damn, I spent all that money. Yeah. <laughs> which, I, which I asked everybody, can I, can I get that back? I asked Roger Foreman, you know, or his group. They got, yeah, no. Right. It's a sunk cost. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. But anyway, at least like, professionally it didn't really hurt you guys because you all rebounded you guys have all had amazing careers following that so at least that was good yeah yeah no i agree hold on for a second i get my my uh hold on for a second i'm shutting down my email there okay. so okay get no these email yeah. notifications yeah so when did you realize that like bootleg copies were like you know being passed around or putting put online yeah so you know um it was years later. Uh, yeah, it, it just went away, right? And then so yeah. years later, I did some, I did like Star Trek. Right. I did uh, a bunch of stuff like uh, Babylon 5. Um, I did Charmed, a bunch of stuff. So I think it was in the 2000s. Uh, so probably like years later, I, I uh, was at a horror convention signing autographs. Uh and someone says, "Hey, here's a here's a bootleg copy of the Fantastic Four. I'm like, "What?" So it's pretty crazy. So, uh, yeah, that was that was pretty interesting that this thing has grown and you know, it's a cult cult classic. So pretty cool. Yeah, that was probably the I I think the first time I saw it was probably about 20 years ago. I, I got a copy of it at a, a comic yeah. convention, and it was like low quality, but it was just like this is amazing, you know, because I heard about it when you guys were making it that this movie was going to come out. Never did yeah. finally see the, the copy of it, but no, it was good. But now, you know, you mentioned before that they're going to have another Fantastic Four movie, you know, soon. Do you think there'd be a place for you guys as cameos in there? Would you would you want that? Would you even accept it if they offered you a, a role? <laughs> I don't, I mean, yeah, I'd be a street sweeper or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, it'd be great, but uh, yeah. I. You know, no one's ever hardly ever seen the film, right? In you know, in the grand scheme of things, right. compared to like Top Gun or whatever, right? Yeah. So, but uh, um, it might be interesting, you know. As a it would be, I would accept it. Yeah, of course, yeah. you know. But uh, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. I, you know, like I, I mentioned in the book, I mentioned in a bunch of things. Uh, you know, what was it? Was it? In, it was in the two thousands. When when did the first one start coming out? The remakes or the <laughs> remake from us? Yeah, uh, I think it was what two thousand four, two thousand five, or yeah. something like that. Okay, it yeah. must have been that. So around that time, um, I uh, so at the time, you know, because I had to sing against twentieth century because they were um, how was they? You know, I don't want to have anything to do with them or whatever. Right. Like I had any control over it, but I always had this like a little bit of animosity just because they're the ones that basically were responsible for shelving it yeah. in the whole situation back in the day. But, you know, business business, I understand that. But uh, I had a audition um, at Chris, Christopher Columbus's, uh, Christopher Columbus, the director. Yeah. Uh, his, uh, his bungalow they had on uh, at 20th century lot. And so I'm walking in there and goes, this is, this is the guy, this is the, this is the thing, you know, I'm yeah. like, these are freaking the guys that stole our film. And I'm walking down the hallway and, and when you, when you walk down the hallway, you, there's a door open, you kind of naturally just look, you know, look in as you go by, right. Yeah. It's naturally clients in. And I, I glanced and this one open doorway and right there is like this manila envelope and it says F4 picks. I'm like, I stopped. And I said, I heard that they were going to do this. And I'm like, I stopped. I went back and looked at it and went, I'm gonna go in this room. Yeah. So I walked in the room and I and all of a sudden this lady comes out because she asked me how you and I said, Yeah, I said, I see this. He goes, you know, 
envelope here with it says yeah. F4 picks on it. I said, that's from the Fantastic Four, right? And she goes, yeah, uh, we're doing that. I says, uh, oh, I said, well, I did the original. And she looked at me like, like a dog hearing a strange yeah. noise, her head tilted. Right. She's like, uh, original? No, we are doing the original. Yeah. I said, no, there was one done like, you know, 10 years ago, you know, uh, and she goes, she goes, oh, well, we're doing it now. And oh. like, like a snooty and yeah. And I just walked out. Okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of ironic that, you know, with, with that movie, Julie McMahon plays Dr. Doom and, you know, from Charmed and you kind of yeah, yeah, character yeah. from there. So it's, it's kind of ironic that. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. He, yeah. He, Char- yeah. Julian's a great guy. And uh, I, I think he was doing that while, was either after Charmed or maybe during Charmed. I think he was but, still on um, it. Yeah. 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 And so we, uh, we were, we were talking about that. So, yeah. yeah. So I got to, you know, talk about charm because my, it's one of my wife's favorite shows. And I told her, oh, that, okay. you know, I was talking to you and, you know, all the, all the characters that you played, you bought four or five different characters on, on there. You know, we'll start with, uh, you know, Balthazar playing, uh, yeah, guess, yeah. <laughs> right. Julian, Julian McMahon's, you know, character Cole, um, she had one question, which would be out of all the characters you played, which one had like the hardest uh, makeup session for you or the longest? Probably Charmed uh, because there were there were moments where so it became after a while they got a routine where they, they yeah. airbrush me was red and they put a black like a stencil thing on my face and paint, paint all the black on there. First time I did it, it was by hand. But there were times in some episodes where I was shot from the waist up. Right. So um, and those that's took more integrated. They didn't have any stencil for that. So that took right. hours. Sometimes it took like up to four hours, three, four hours to get it done. So uh, it's funny when we first started filming there because um, the airbrushing, you know, this, the, 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 the spray gets all over the trailer inside the trailer. It turned after like the first episode, turned the trailer red and then and the trailer people were like, yeah, we can't have this. So they just went and cardboard, put cardboard on all the walls yeah. you know to prevent to protect the walls so yeah it was funny you know they i had like one main um makeup effects artist but then they always rotate people in you know it became like a routine right one time i had to come with i had to drive with it home with it on home yeah. because we shot so late uh and it took so long to put on they, they said hey could you go with this you know home and come back you know tomorrow morning i said yeah i could do that so it's at about 11 or 11.30 at night. I'm driving home and this is L.A. <laughs> Pull up to an intersection and I'm sitting there in my car and these dudes are like, hey, dude, that's some serious stuff, man. What are you doing? It's not even Halloween yet. You know, whatever. <laughs> right. you know, they're doing all that doing all that craziness. So it's pretty funny. That's so, funny. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the other characters you played, Shax, which it was, it was a pretty big character. He ended up killing Shannon Doherty. Off yeah, yeah. Was, I don't remember what, what the finale of season four, maybe um when you guys shot that did you guys know that that was her last episode was that no no wasn't no sure. didn't did not know i was surprised everybody was surprised i i was surprised for sure i didn't i don't think anybody knew. but i guess it was during the time of finishing that and then i guess it was a good way to for her to exit and i guess there was i don't know i think contract disputes or something i don't know why right yeah but she was killed off but yeah yeah, she's she's a great great uh, nice lady. Uh, all the all the ladies were super nice to me. Yeah. Uh, Alyssa Milano would always come up to me and give me like a kiss on the cheek, you know, as Belthazor, and she would say, "You're not scary," you know. Right. <laughs> um, but they were all super nice. Holly was, everyone was, and uh, very professional. You know, you always hear these craziness and bad. You know, like oh, they were, you know, witches slash bitches or whatever. Right. You could say all that stuff like that, but. I didn't see any of that, you know, they were professional and, you know, everybody at times will get a little, no matter where you're at, right. Working at a Starbucks where it gets a little testy sometimes. Right. Especially under stressful conditions. And, and, uh, you know, some things, I remember one time we were shooting outside uh, and I was next to Holly. I mean, I was next to Shannon and someone had sent her flowers and some AD or some, uh, not AD, uh, yeah, some question. Hey, here's some flowers for you. And she opened them up and there were dead roses. Someone sent her dead roses. Oh, wow. Like, why oh, would they do that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just bullshit. So, yeah, yeah it's craziness. And it's just make believe, man. Exactly. <laughs> it's all make believe, right? Right. So, we're getting paid to do, you know, play make believe. So, 
Yeah. People take this stuff way too seriously. Right. And you know, you've done a lot of obviously besides, you know, just acting, a lot of make believe with all the different, you know, characters and you know, makeup and costumes. Um, which one it was your favorite to do? I mean, was it like Hills Have Eyes, Super Freddy, Charmed? Like I you know, it, listen, uh Whenever I took a role, I, did, I took it a role as an actor, right? Not as just a stunt guy or because yeah. I'm not a stunt guy. So I don't do burns. I don't do high falls. Like this. But I, I'm, a, I'm a good fighter and I played right. football. So I always had a, I always add a lot of physicality to my roles. But it was always about the characters that I played. I wasn't going to be some just some zombie in a mask running around killing people. I, that's not acting to me. Right. So. Um, and so I and so I it was all based on characters. And so I think uh, one of the, to me, one of the, it was hard, but it was fun. It was playing from the hills. You had mentioned Hills of Eyes, playing Pluto. Yeah. That, that character was, I love the character. Um, not a lot of dialogue, had a little bit, but I'm not really big on, I mean, I don't really care. It's about the emotions and the character yeah. and, and whatever. And, uh, and so for him, he had such a range from being this little kid, right? You know, and his part was holding the baby, and he's doing the goo goo and the gaga with the with yeah. the baby. From there to being, in, you know, cr- you know, completely insane in the you know fighting Doug in the house, right? Which we he and I won an award for, the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards for the best fight scene, uh, televised award. So that was really uh-huh. cool. Um, yeah, so I I, I love characters like that. I I love characters that have a nice range and arc to them emotionally. And it's always. It's always nice. So that that was probably the one of the fun. It was hard because it was hot. It was like in the hundreds, like 110 right. every day, 100, sometimes 120. So when you're in prosthetics and things like that, you only got one eye, you know, one eye's covered, and you know, you have to do fight scenes with one eye. That's try closing your eye and trying to hit somebody. It's gonna right. the perf- your death perception's gone, yeah. right? So you have to be really careful. And then swinging around an axe doesn't really help much either, right? So, yeah. And that was a real axe, it wasn't fake, it was no plastic one, that was a real axe. Right. A pickaxe yeah yeah crazy so that was probably the funnest one character I, I played yeah do you feel sometimes like you get typecasted for a certain like type of role yeah i don't care right i don't care. get paid right no. <laughs> yeah I, yeah i i love it's all about the the character yeah um and you know i'm a working actor right so that's that's what you do you go from role to role and play character mm-hmm. to character you know there are some people like schwarzenegger will only play schwarzenegger right sometimes you'll yeah. He does some things like twins and things like that, sure. but he'll always do that, you know, but I don't think you'll ever see him in a um, predator outfit, you know, or whatever, you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, um, yeah. So I like, um, I don't know. I just, you know, I, what was, what was kind of the question again about that one? It was like, it's like being like, you know, typecasted for a certain role. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I don't mind that as long as, uh, you know, cause I played a uh, bit in comedies, like yeah. for instance, uh, master of disguise, right, David right, Harvey, yeah. you know, I did that. Uh, and I got to, you know, I did a ton of sitcoms like with, uh, uh, Urkel, you know, yeah. family matters, or I did a whole way in the nineties and in the two thousands, I did a whole slew, like a whole, slew of sitcoms right my first sitcom was murphy brown okay uh, and i got to play her crazy secretary so uh she was notorious to having these different secretaries you would go through like you know like a glass yeah. of water and so right <laughs> um that was great my first sitcom i could play that and it was good so i i don't mind typecast at all right i don't yeah i was i was gonna ask you who was a tougher competitor van damme or urkel <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> that's a good question um Urkel's, I mean, uh, uh, what's, his what's his name? Uh, uh, Julia White. <laughs> yeah, Julia White. So he's a great guy. Um, yeah. Nice guy. And, uh, but, uh, you know, Von Damme, of course, you know, is a fighter. Uh, yeah. I guess he, you know, he's a fighter. I don't really know his complete background, but I got my nose broken uh, fighting him. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It's, some stuff happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say. Yeah. So, uh, sometimes punches weren't pulled okay. so that kind of upset me a little bit i and like oh that was a movie called in hell, in hell shot right. in bulgaria yeah. right and uh, i played two characters on that show people don't know that so there's the you're if you know what that film's about uh there's a part where there's a, guy, a huge guy in a mask okay. that's in the prison and that's right. me too oh wow okay. so they hired they hired somebody else uh 
this guy who's six foot eight and he broke his ankle on the first day and they were oh. freaking out. So I said, well, just put me in a mask and give me some like yeah. s- s- shoes that are like have raised heels. And so four inch heels and I'm running around, huh. you know, smashing people. It's fun. Yeah. And Lawrence Taylor is also in that movie as well. Yeah. 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 He's a big dude. Yeah. I never, I wasn't, you know, when I was in camp, uh, you know, I, I went against guys like Randy White or yeah. Two Tall Jones and things like that. But, you know, uh, and they're, they are themselves is pretty crazy, you know, yeah. you know, badass guys. And Lawrence Taylor is just a legend. So, yeah. yeah. Cool yeah. guy. He's always, he's always quite kind of a quiet guy. Nice guy. I went, walked up and said hi to him and things like yeah. that. So, yeah. yeah. People forget. I mean, you see the players now like Aaron Donald, but like, Lawrence Taylor was legit. I mean, he was probably the best defensive player of all time, I think. Yeah, he's big too. He's not yeah. some small guy. He's right. like, he's my height or hot, taller and he's thick. That dude is a thick dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's a thick guy. And uh, yeah. there's a different type of breed. You know, I, you know, I got, you know, I ran around. I was a pretty big dude back in the day. Um, uh, I was, I'm 6'4. I weighed about 285, 290. Uh, at about nine percent, they measured my Cowboys had nine percent body fat. Okay, so I was really in pretty good shape. I was huge, and I I was fast. I ran a forty in four eight, four eight five. Yeah, yeah. So and uh, I was a guard and center. So uh, um, and I could hit you, uh, but those some of these guys are like just huge nowadays, yeah. big dudes. And plus, you know, back when I in high school played high school football you just showed up there was no off-season training you know right. even in college i was one of the first ones in my school at eastern michigan that stayed the whole summer and okay. trained there was no off-season training yeah uh and so i kind of got people i started staying other people started staying and the whole team started staying you know during the you know when i was there during the summertime so uh but nowadays they have off-season training i have two sons yeah. that are playing college football right now okay. one at central michigan and one's at a junior college in california at college of the canyons they're both tight ends and they're there they're there right now training so they're there most of the summer so wow. to wrap the season training on their own and yeah doing yeah. stuff so yeah right yeah i mean between like yeah mini camps the otas there's there's like so much now yep. it's like what they, yep. they, might have, they might take a month off and that's about it <laughs> that's it yeah or less than that actually weeks yeah. So, right yeah or a week. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And you mentioned like before about fighting and like, you know, like real punches, you know, gotten thrown with Van Damme. Has that happened a lot like during your career or now? A few times, you know, I've actually nicked some people too, you know, right. just gotten a little carried away, whatever, got a little close. So, you know, cause a lot of times when you're throwing a punch, right. You're about this far from yeah. someone, but when the camera is like over your shoulder or they're over your, the other person's shoulder, you can't, it doesn't see, it's like seeing out of one eye, right. You don't really see the depth perception of it. And so you can't tell if it's, you know, but from a camera's perspective, it looks like you're really hitting the guy. If the guy reacts well enough with a head snap or whatever, yeah. it looks real, right? Right. Um, but there are times when when you're going through something, you're fighting somebody, sometimes you get a little too close. You rehearse, but sometimes yeah. you get a little carried away. And yeah, I've gotten nailed a few times. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I've gotten nailed. And then there's times that like Van Damme kicked me in the balls like two or three times and <laughs> broke my nose and things and there's there's reasons behind that some of it's you know people do that out of jealousy or they do that out of right you want to show that they're the man or put you in your place yeah there's a lot of inter <laughs> conflict right. sometimes with actors and egos and things like that that happen but yeah. overall i think he he's generally um works very hard you know on what he does uh, he's a talented guy for sure uh, but yeah, I remember uh, a film I did that CIA code him Alexa Lorenzo Lamas punched me right in the face Ooh. and he was totally by accident. He right. was so apologetic. So oh, I'm so sorry, Michael, yeah. whatever. And then, you know, I've, I've nicked people a couple times, you know, myself and I've had, and sometimes you got to protect yourself when there's someone you're fighting is getting like a little um, carried away. You got to like in the middle of a fight, you got to pull, pull yourself back. I remember one time doing charmed there was this new stunt guy and there's a part where um, I'm Belthazor and I get, I'm on a table and this other demon jumps on my back and starts choking me. And he's normally when you choke somebody in a movie, you put the head between the elbow right here. So it's yeah. nice and easy, but in a real choke, you, you lay the throat right across your forearm. Right. right? And you, that's how you, you know, you crush the guy's windpipe. You're freaking choking him out. 
Um, and that's what he did. He freaking put me in a real oh, thing. And I'm like, I thought my, I thought my head was going to come off and I, I have never ever called cut by my, you know, I would never do that. Yeah. I had to do that. I cut, I had to do that. And I turn out after I did, I said, dude, what are you doing? And, and you can't be doing it. I tried to handle it myself with just between him and him and I. Yeah. And then he did it again. And I'm like, I went to a stunt, stunt coordinator. I said, dude, you need, a hand. you need to square this guy away because he's freaking killing me. Wow. And I've been, and there's a couple of times that I've been, one time I did get hurt. One, another guy choked me out and put me in a real chokehold and I couldn't talk like for a week. My manager was pissed. So uh, we got some money out of that one a little bit. Okay. So, cause it was just some, it was some producer guy who wanted to get on the, be, be in the film and he right. wanted to fight me. And, you know, he was, that's what happens with somebody do low budget films. You know, yeah. Some of these guys that want to, I want to fight them. Let me get it. I'll fight. I know how to fight. Right. Well, there's a difference between real fighting, fighting. and movie yeah. fighting. Right. So, right. yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Are there any roles that you haven't played yet that you, you still want to, or is that kind of. Oh yeah, of course. Uh, I was telling some of this the other day. Uh, I've always wanted to be a James Bond villain, like okay. the main, main villain guy, right. you know, like the, you know, uh, guy with the hat you know through the yeah you know, talk, job. one of those yeah. guys i don't have to say a lot i don't care about that i just want to yeah. play the bad guy and go chase james bond around and try to kill him at the end i guess some really cool death yeah i would, I would that would be the ultimate because i play bad guys all the time right i didn't want to when i first started acting i i had on my mirror in my hollywood crappy hollywood apartment michael bailey smith hollywood's new leading man i wanted i had hair and i was pretty yeah. and i wanted to that's what i wanted to do but you know when you're six foot four and you know, I was 270, 80 pounds of muscle. Yeah. yeah. There's only one Schwarzenegger at the time. Right. So, right. Um, uh, or whoever. And so, um, you know, I ended up kind of playing bad guys. And then when I shaved my head for charm, but I just kept it. And uh, then it just, the world opened up with a lot more playing bad guys. And, but I, you know, I, I, I really like playing bad guys because, you know, Sometimes the good guys are kind of boring characters. Right? Agreed, you know, yeah. I never get to run around and kill people in real life. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, to do it's that. fun to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in movies. Yeah. Right. I, I recently saw and I really enjoyed it. The uh, the short movie you did at Miracle Desert. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's a, won some awards. And I know that was kind of like a long, you know, process to get, to get that made mm-hmm. like over a decade. Uh, just like just yeah. talk about that whole experience, which is really enjoyable. Yeah, so we um, we shot that. We sh- I auditioned for that like ten years beforehand. So um, yeah, maybe not ten years. Uh, it was it was quite some time, and uh, I auditioned for it. And I remember I found an email that I forwarded the director just recently, a little while ago. Um, uh, Mark Mark Holsack, uh, who's the director and, and writer, talented writer. He and I still trade because I do a lot of writing now. So I he and I trade ideas yeah. and scripts and things I got to read. Um, he's a great guy. And uh, I sent him an email that I had sent to the casting director after I had uh, read for that. And the, e- the email said it was to the cast director said, uh, hi, I, I, I just finished reading for you. And I really love Miracle Desert, you know, but I'm, I have a conflict with another movie. I hope you can still consider me, you know, whatever. Yeah. And all that stuff. And of course they never got funding. So the, the, you know the, the project went away and so then out of the blue i remember you know i i have now stepped away from acting and now i you know i have like a quote real job i guess right. you would say uh i had a business development or i had up sales for worldwide for a company and uh and so uh, i was doing that and i remember i was sitting in my office and and mark called and said hey michael how you doing i said good mark it's been a while he goes yeah he goes listen um remember that thing you auditioned for me? He goes, yeah. And I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, I said, you're going to go? He goes, well, the short's going to go. He goes, and I want you to play. I said, well, dude, I haven't been acting in like, you know, a few years. He goes, then brush it off. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, I'm in, I'm in the middle of uh, outside Vegas in the desert. Yeah. That's a trippy place where we shot at. Cause you always like, whatever, I don't know about you. When you fly in a plane and you're landing or you're coming close and you're looking out the window and you see the, like these, little outposts of a house and maybe some trees right. around it. But I wonder who lives there, right? Yeah. What if he's a mass murderer or whatever? I always think he's craziness. <laughs> right. Well, let me tell you, we we filmed in a place out in the desert um, and it was in the Mojave Desert and there's like these compounds out there. There was one compound, like a house, compound was a huge, huge chrome stall, head of Stalin. Oh, wow. 
huge. And it must have been 30 foot high and about 20 foot wide, head of Stalin. Oh, jeez. <laughs> it's crazy. What is that? Another one had a, like a, there was, a, there was a, a mosque out there. And I'm like, this is really trippy. Just trippy stuff happens. Right. People living out in a trailer in the middle of nowhere. What do they do all yeah. day? I'm not sure. Right. So it's just crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. How long were you like buried? Like, 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 what was the, the situation for that? Like, they they were pretty cognizant of not keeping us there too long, so right. it was only like a few hours, okay. two or three hours, and he pulled us out. So, because how it happened is that uh, Jr. Born, uh, yeah, great name by the way, right? Uh, great, great actor too. Uh, done tons of tons of movies and I mean TV shows, um, but his legs are wrapped around my legs. So they dug okay. a hole. They had these. To put these uh, apple apple boxes in there, put some pads on it, and then uh, and then they I would I sat in it first, and then he would sit in it and put wrap his legs around me. So we're literally this close to each other, right? And uh, thank goodness we both had good breath, you know. Well, I I know he did, maybe I did, right? Uh, he didn't tell me otherwise. So, but yeah, that's what it was. And so they put then they put the board over top, and then the, okay. they buried about this much of sand on top of this. So it's kind of funny when you're sitting there, it's really, truly a great acting experience because when you're acting, you're using your hands. Right. Your hands. There's none of that. It's all yeah. here. Yeah. You know, and, and when they always say film acting is really about from the neck up, it's not about those other things. And so you have to be really compared to theater where you're, you're kind of bigger and, right. you know, like bigger gestures. But film acting is all about here and what's going on in the eyes and things like that. And I did a lot of like, quote, specialized classes and things like that for film acting back in the day. Um, and so uh, it was very, very personal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know his, I know every nose hair he has, you know, <laughs> right. hours and, and yeah. same for me, you know, so it was good, but it kept us in there for about two or three hours. Okay. And then, um, yeah. Right. And then he pulled us out. So okay. he put us back in. The, the bad thing, we're sitting there also to see an ant coming. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to blow the ant away. And it's like, and they right. had a like personal sweep ant wrangler, right? <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, you can check it out, it's on YouTube. Uh, to search, uh, yeah, yeah, I have, I have a couple of films. You know, it's funny, I've had people like my uh, soon to be ex wife, she would like, she would always like, uh, well, I don't know what she would just say, I don't understand why you're doing these little films, and yeah. I'm like, because these little films are first of all great pieces of work, two, it's great exercise for me, yeah, it's. Sometimes you do it for no money. Yeah. But the thing is, that person who's doing that film will eventually someday become, you know, a well-known director and say, yeah. "Hey, you know what? This is this is a this is a great like good example of that." Wasn't a, another film I did, but it was an audition. So I always want I always do think I I have the same as uh, philosophy when I'm in sales. So in sales, like when I reach out and talk to somebody regarding what we do. I might not win them right now. I might not sell them right now, but then I planted a seed with them. And right. so next time they need something, I'll follow up with them. Like it depends on how urgent I think it is, but then you plant a seed. Now all of a sudden that idea, I just put in you know, their brain or whatever about a month from now, or maybe weeks from now without, like, Hey, you know what? I need that. And then they'll call me. Well, the same thing as auditioning and the same thing uh, with doing little films is that you've planted a seed with the producers and the directors and things like that. So an audition, audition for this Burger King commercial. And I went for the callback and Burger King commercial and didn't get it. And so and that happens, you know, right. right. So, and uh, so then must've been like four months later, maybe six months later, whatever it is. I auditioned for this uh, TV show. It was an Amazon pilot called Cocked. And it didn't get picked up, but we shot the pilot. It had Brian Dennehy in it. Okay. Um, the guy from My Name is Earl, which I did okay. uh, three or four episodes of right. him with Jason. Jason Lee. in it and a couple other guys. Another guy from uh, the Vampire TV show that was on HBO or something like that. Name. Anyway. Oh, True Blood, yeah. Yeah, yeah, True Blood. And so it had a good cast. And so I read for this character, a current character on the show, and I played this hit guy. And great scene and things like that. And so a great, I had some good scenes in this, this uh, pilot for Amazon. So I read for it, read for it two or three times. Finally, they hired me. So I show up on the set. I'm in my trailer and one of the PAs comes by and says, hey, Michael, so the director wants to see you. 
I said, all right. So they're shooting up in this downtown Los Angeles and it's up one of the uh, uh, skyscrapers, whatever. So I go there and uh, he's in the middle of filming, you know, scene and he gets done and he walks over and goes, hey, Michael, how you doing? I say, great. I say, hey, man, I, I really appreciate you hiring me. He goes, oh, no. He goes, uh, I said, so do you know why I hired you or how I got you? I said, well, I just do the audition. Well, it's a little more than that. I said, you read for me six months ago on a Burger King commercial and I wanted to hire you for it, but the producer, the product people didn't want you. And so I said, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep an eye out for that guy. So I planted a seed with this guy, <laughs> right. right? And that's what happens. It's like audition. And I've done that quite a bit. I've, I've done a lot of work where even on, uh, in hell, um, town and country, uh, and the list goes on of films I've done that weren't big roles, but the, uh, director remembered me, uh, or, said, hey, to his assistant, take right. his number down and his contact information because I want to use him for something else later on. So it's always, it's a lot of it's about the work you do and the impression you leave, you know, and things like that. And this stuff will pay off later on. That goes with in life in general. So, yeah. And I've always tried to do that. So, Absolutely. Well, I mean, your roles are all memorable. You've done a great job all these years and uh, you've been a big fan of yours quite some time, so. Thank you. Have you been? Uh, you've seen? Have you seen Monster Man? Uh, not yet. That's that's on the list. I, I, you need to watch that that film. Um, Michael Michael Davis is the director. He did a, a movie after that called I think Bang Bang Shoot 'Em Up or something like that um, uh, with Gerard Butler. I think it had in it. Um, but this was this is great. I care, played a character named Fuckface. I could say that. Um, but it's fine, yeah. And uh, I drive a monster truck and I run people over. Uh, and it was an awesome, awesome role. It was the first time ever I auditioned when I got done, reading for the director. He come up and hugged me. Wow. He goes, you're perfect. I don't need to really see anybody else, but I right. didn't have to, to go through the motions, yeah. but you're perfect. So I ended up getting it. It was great. And uh, I played this character and uh, look look him up and find the find the film it's one of those movies that's a cult classic it's kind of got a, a 70-ish type horror feel to it it's kind of tongue-in-cheek to a certain extent you know and i have a really great voice that i use like pop. <laughs> you know the kind of situation i have this jacked up kind of walk so every character that i approach i try to I try to make it each one different and separate like when i play on charm the four different four or five different yeah. characters i play there's four characters it was uh Grimlock, uh, Balthazar, Shax, and Source, um, is that I try to make everyone different as towards the way they talk, their mannerisms, the way they walk, all those things. So, so, and people didn't know the same. A lot of people didn't know that. First of all, they thought Julian was playing Balthazar right, as well, right. and then they thought they didn't know the same actor that was playing Balthazar played Shax yeah. or played the Grimlock. Right. So each one is different, you know. So. Yeah. That's so, how it is always. Yeah. So, so when that happens, like, do they like, did they originally cast somebody else or it fell through, or they always wanted you for these particular roles? Oh, for Balthazar? Or like, you know, Shaq's put, playing these multiple roles on the show. Was that yes, so like, we wanted Michael? Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, sir. So with Charmed, uh, it started with, um, started with me playing the Grimlock on All, All, Hallows, All Hallowell's Eve, that episode. And I, I, I had him, and he was very uh, stoic, very Terminesque, you know, ter ter Terminator-esque type of a character. And, um, you know, my, my facial structure, I guess, looks pretty good when the prosthetics, and that was no product aesthetics there. That was just airbrushed, and then the black eyes, the scars, the full-on contacts. Those are hard to put on, by the way. <laughs> I can see the ones that contacts is around your pupil, but the ones that fall right. on your cover up the white that's that, those hurt sometimes and it's uncomfortable um and so during that filming of that episode uh i would have producers walk up to me and say um hey you're doing a great job i had the i had the dp come up to me and goes you know i heard the director tell me that you are probably one of the most talented actors he's seen, ever worked with wow. i'm like come <laughs> on yeah. really I'm like, when someone says, that, I'm like, right. But I, you know, I, I don't know. That's a, you know, it's funny. I told my mom that she goes, Oh, they, they just say that to say that. I'm like, mom, thanks. My mom never gives me any respect. I feel like Roger Rodney Dangerfield yeah. um, sometimes, but, uh, uh, but, uh, um, 
So, you know, at the end of the last day of filming, my manager calls and goes, hey, guess what? I said, what? They want you back. I said, oh, great. Uh, I'm, but I'm dying as Belt yeah. as this Grimlock. He goes, no, there's this new character called uh, uh, Belthazor. Um, he's like a main dude. It's a recurring character. And uh, they, uh, they hired somebody else. I guess a stunt guy or something. And you guess he wasn't working out. And they needed an actor to play this role. Right. So you're perfect. So that's how it started. So that's how I started. And uh, then I had an actor. I had a stunt guy who back who doubled me. Like there's parts where I get ratcheted out of a window or things like that. He would yeah. come in and do the fight stuff was all done by me and things like that. So I'm a pretty good fighter. So, uh, but yeah, so then went from that to then when Shaxx, they said, hey, we want you to play Shaxx. They, they didn't audition anybody else. They just that's that great. and then yeah. just standing with the source. So I was like the demon du jour right so you know yeah it's pretty cool that's awesome but uh mike i really appreciate your time today i'm, I'm definitely gonna check out monster man i uh, also really enjoyed bloodshot that was another great one too oh the, gosh you know that's yeah. a whole different that's a whole different story you know i i feel uh feel so bad for that film i mean the director of that is demon dietrich johnston uh great guy good friend of mine I, he was in film school at Cal State Northridge and his wife went to film school at UCLA and they're a great, they're a great couple. Um, and, and so I always did his, all his student films for him. And, uh, and so then he wrote this little short called Bloodshot and we did that. And he goes, I'm going to use this, to try to get funding. So we shopped it around all these film festivals, won all these film festivals. And then what happened was the, the son of the, the guy who owns all the Michael stores. Okay is in the film and filmmaking things like that saw it and gave us like i think it was two or three million dollars so we did the full-on full-on film and then some things happened it it got finished they kind of finished and then some things happened in post-production it got and then he had to go back and do some stuff and then there were some arguments happened between production you know the, the guy with the money and the director and then this kind of went sideways unfortunate so it to me, you know, what a great premise of a vampire who's built like, you know, Schwarzenegger that looks like Nosferatu and yeah. works with the CIA and kills terrorists. Right. What a freaking crazy idea. And it and, really was. And that's, yeah. and, and that's Dietrich Johnson for you. So um, he's he's a brilliant, brilliant writer, great director. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate it never got really released. It's kind of floundered around and out on YouTube. So. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Great cast it's things it. like that happen. What's yeah, it? got a great cast in it as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. got some uh, some uh, some great uh, people in it. I, it was great. Uh, it's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun. It was a fun ride. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, good stuff. Right, but like well, said, you, you've done some research. Thank you. Oh, of course. You know, I mean, it's like, like I said, I'm a big fan of your work. So, you know, I can go on all, all day talking about all the work. Yeah, there's I've done podcasts before and it's felt like I'm telling them my story. Like, right. You know, whatever. It's like they don't do the research, but that's good. I'm impressed. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. 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 But like, like I said, I, I, I really appreciate your time today. Um, good luck with it, with everything. And good. Yeah. So now I'm writing. Uh, I just had a screenplay option. It's called oh, cool. My Good Boy. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, option is only the first step. There right. is a lot of steps beyond this, but it's a good good first step. And so I have a direct uh, producer by the name of uh, David Jeffrey, uh, big time TV producer, done like Bones and Southland and uh, not Southland, but uh, Queen of the South. Okay. Uh, tons of different um, uh, TV shows. And so I met on a, this is a good example of a film short. So I did a film okay. short with him. And he loved it. In between filming, he says, hey, what else do you do? I said, I do some writing. I pitched him a couple ideas. Yeah. So flash forward about six years later, I'm walking in to meet a customer on my regular job. He's going, hey, Michael, how you doing? Remember that, that film you pitched yeah. me? Let's do it. Wow. So there we are. So I worked yeah. on it with, the, with him on, for on a year, and now you optioned it. And here we go. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. really good. So, yeah, like you said, you never know. You just got to keep, you know, keep pitching, and people remember. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but thanks again. No, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks. And a special thanks to Michael for joining me today. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at personal19 or like the page with my youth on Facebook. You can go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. If you don't have iTunes, not a problem. 
She'll be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes in every week. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you next week.